Welcome to the Ben Wood Johnson Podcast. You can visit Dr. Johnson's blog at benwoodpost.com. Dr. Johnson's works can be found at drbenwoodjohnson.com. You can also support Dr. Johnson on Patreon, the link to which is in the description. Everybody, welcome back. Welcome back to the Benwood Johnson Podcast. Uh, today is the first day of March 2021. This is podcast number 62. Uh, once again, I welcome you here. I appreciate you tuning in at this hour to listen to another podcast about philosophy. Uh, as usual on this podcast, we talk about philosophy, we talk about day-to-day life, we talk about realities which uh, uh, human beings face in their world. For this season, we are discussing the concept of legal obligation, and today we're going to continue on this path, but we are going to talk about the notion of, of consent and the notion of a social contract. So, in this podcast, we sort of try to explain the degree to which the individual was born to obey or the degree to which society forces the individual to obey regardless of who the individual is or regardless of what the individual thinks of himself. So the concept of a social contract undermines the individuality of the individual uh, to the extent that the individual is expected to be a certain way. That does not take into account the fact that the individual was not born to be that way. So without further ado, let us delve right into it. facet of, of legal obligation is, uh, is the notion of consent. Now, the term consent implies a great deal of commitment on the part of the individual who consented either to do or to omit from doing. So, consent goes like this. You agreed for whatever, whatever the situation might be, you agreed. It is as a blanket statement or a blanket acceptance whereby the individual agrees to anything or everything that society might do to him. So, the term consent is a popular viewpoint, it's a popular understanding in legal philosophy. It is a popular notion, in fact, almost every legal philosopher debated the notion of consent in one way or another. They have talked about the implications of citizen consent. The notion assumes that the person or the entity living in a social arrangement consented to obey the rules 
are the laws that are in effect in that particular social environment. So consent is the foundation of the understanding that is also popular in politics in general is the notion of a social contract. A social contract between the individual and the society itself, whereby the person entered into what is known as a social contract with the society in which he or, he or she evolves. And that social contract binds the person to the extent that he or she is obligated to obey, is obligated to behave a certain way, is obligated to forego certain proclivities. The person is obligated to be a certain way as per the social contract itself. Now, we have to understand that in a society, the social contract itself is not defined. The individual is unaware of the social contract itself. He is told that there is a social contract. He is expected to behave according to the rules set forth by the social contract. But the individual in and of himself, in and of himself, is not aware of that social contract. At least not right off the bat. So the individual has to sort of inculcate it this notion. Of course, that is why the concept of society as, a, as an entity is based on uh, dogmatic views about what the world is and what the role the individual is expected to play. And it is dogmatic to the extent that there is a certain divinity, there is a certain higher hierarchy into why the individual behaves, how the way he behaves, and the reason, uh, and, and, and the manner in which the individual uh, behaves the way that he behaves. And the understanding here is that the individual has a natural proclivity to be this way or that way, and it is tied to the notion of natural law as so understood by men. Now, of course, I have talked about the concept of natural law as it is erroneously understood to be some kind of a divine law when it is in fact man's law, okay? Natural law as defined and understood is, is not the law of, of divinity or the law of the divine if there is such a thing, not to be uh, politically correct here, but if we were to, if we ought or if we were to believe that there is a God or some sort of a higher power somewhere, whether we would call it Allah, Buddha or even Papa Hogu, if we were to agree that there was such a higher power, well, we don't know how it communicates to the, the human being. Of course, we have speculations, things that are written and pieces of papers about who God is, where God was, or where God is, and so on and so forth. But this is not the point of this conversation today. But we have to understand that the understanding of a social contract is based on the notion that the individual is endowed with certain rights, which, according to the United States Constitution, are inalienable. Those rights come from a divine being, and they call him God. But the understanding is also connected with the view that every human being is rational, at least has the capacity to reason, to be someone, to be a certain way. And as a result, a social contract is just a continuity of the nature of the individual, where the individual was already endowed to be righteous, was already endowed to do the right thing. 
So being in a social contract where the individual follows certain rules, certain uh, um, prohibitions, to put it this way, then it's only natural in the being to be that way. So the social contract itself is understood based on the notion that the person was, or at least is, inherently righteous and will do or would do or should do the right thing. And being in a social contract, whether the individual specifically agreed to be in a social contract, it is assumed that the individual wanted to be in a social contract because the individual is endowed with the capacity to, to reason and any reasonable or every reasonable individual would do the right thing and society is there to instill righteousness to do the right thing. Therefore, the individual, whether he initially agreed or not, is in a social contract. That social contract is assumed to be valid to the extent that the individual was inherently capable of making that choice even though he never made that choice so whenever we're talking about consent we have to take it all the way back to the understanding of righteousness of god of divinity of natural law okay now if you have a chance you could grab a copy of the book natural law in which i debate the fallacy of natural law it is not the law of nature or the laws of nature. It is the laws of men. It's positive law, but we only disguised it to the extent that we call it natural law, the law of the divine. Everything that is man-made, whether man was inspired by whatever, whoever, in her dreams and whatnot, is man's law. Therefore, that law can only be positive law. Now, for you to tell me that this law is divine law because it is assumed that God is the one who passed down this law to whoever at some point in history. It's not enough to justify my presence in your so-called social contract or my so-called acceptance to your so or consent to your social so-called social contract. Okay, so whenever we're talking about consent. We have to take this notion all the way back to all these phases in terms of, you know, society, righteousness, God, nature. So to understand why, even though the person never personally entered in a social contract, but it is assumed that he would have done so simply for the fact that he is assumed to be rational. He's assumed to be endowed with the capacity to be righteous. He is a product or he is a creation of God. And because of that relationship with God, the being is assumed to be a certain way. Of course, it's a complete nonsense. As a thinker, you ought to see the, the, the nonsensical, the illogical nature of this concept. Yet, this is the foundation of almost every society. Now, if you are able to think for yourself and somehow you believe that for some reason you were supposed to be a certain way, which was preordained by a divinity somewhere of some sort, therefore you are supposed to behave a certain way at this particular moment in time in your life, and therefore whatever they, or when I mean, when I say they, I mean society as a whole, whatever they do to you is thereby justified because you were supposed to know better, then you have something missing, okay? Now, when we're talking about consent, the understanding is that the individual has a duty to obey. And that duty in and of itself is a demand. It's an obligation. Okay? 
and the individual could not at any moment in time renounce to that duty. He could not defer that duty. He could not end this duty at will. And he could not have a discretion as to when to force himself or to compel himself to obey. So in other words, the individual consented to the extent that we want to take the word consent on its face value, consented to be a certain way. He consented, he relinquished himself to the extent that he owned himself. Now we have to see this. If we're saying that the individual owned himself to the point where he consented to relinquish that self to society or to others by entering into a social contract, if you believe that's how you are, then something's wrong in your brain, brother. You have to recalibrate yourself in this world. Nevertheless, the understanding here is that you are obligated to obey. And that obligation is based on the consent which you gave, which you didn't know when you gave, which you didn't have to give because it is assumed that you are righteous and every righteous being would agree to be in a social contract. Therefore, you, by extension, as a, as a, as a human being, agreed to be in a social contract. That's the whole foundation of a social contract. The social contract has no foundation beyond the fact that you are assumed to be rational and every rational being is also assumed to do the right thing and being in a social contract is the right thing to do. Therefore, you assumed that you entered in this social contract even though you did not specifically enter in the contract. The mere fact that you are in a society, the mere fact you exist within a social contract, within a social sphere or social environment, you agreed to be in that environment. Again, it's, it's, it's so fallacious that I don't even have words to describe this understanding. Again, this is the foundation of almost every society, whether it is secular, religious, it is the foundation of our world today. It is the foundation of who we are. It is the foundation of why we obligate ourselves. It is the reason why freedom, as we could possibly envision it, is always elusive. It's, it's, it's a dream. Because somehow, somewhere, whatever you think of you is going to be overridden by society itself. And society, the idea that society is an entity in and of itself, it's a fallacy. There are individuals who decide what society is, how society is, and when society is. Therefore, your beingness is based on the capricious understanding of who you are by some entity. And usually it's another person who happens to be in a higher social uh, echelon than you, who happens to enjoy a level of social power, which he or she could make decisions that affect you at a molecular level. Okay. Again, you have to understand this when we're talking about legal obligation, when we're talking about consent, because the implication of those terms take away your nature, your nature, your, the foundation of who you are. It takes it away, because if you are a person, thereby you are expected to be a certain way simply because you are a person, then at which point do you own yourself? At which point do you have a say in who you are? Because who you are has already been preordained by an entity, which is usually entity X, Y, and Z. 
There is a reason why certain people are born in poverty. There's also a reason why certain people are born into wealth. It's because their beingness has been determined beforehand. That is the only reason their beingness has been determined. There are people in this world, no matter how hard they try, no matter how hard they work, they will never be wealthy. They will never know the good life. And there are people as well, no matter how hard they fail, no matter how bad or mediocre they are, they will never know the bad life. They will never know the hard life. And it is this preordained nature of this world that creates this Im these imbalances we see in this world. And you ever wonder well, why we have wars, why we have poverty, why we have so much pain and misery? Because the foundation of our world is based on, on, a, on a fallacy. Everything about who we are is based on a lie. Now, who perpetrated this lie? Who made this lie in the first place? That's another debate for another time. But you have to understand that the notion of consent assumes that who you are is in fact the reason you consented to be. For example, they wouldn't, or at least the concept of social contract does not implicate animals such as dogs, cats, and whatnot. It does, it does not implicate those animals because it is assumed that these animals have no capacity to reason, therefore cannot do the right thing, and therefore could not have consented. That's the foundation. Human beings, on the other hand, are assumed to be righteous, are assumed to be the, the, the product of a divine being, and are endowed with certain inalienable rights, which you know, rightfully said, could not be taken away and whatnot. Yet, that's precisely what the concept of a social contract does to the person. The social contract immediately takes away any natural right that the person, the person has. If I have the right, a natural right to be, then I could be anywhere, anyhow, and no matter when or where I want to be. I should be able to be whoever, whenever, and how, however I want to be. Well, that would go against the social contract. In a society, you should never, or you shall never be anywhere, anyhow, and however you want to be. That would be against a particular law in society. There are laws almost against everything. Almost every aspect of your beingness, there's a law against it. And if you are that way at a particular point in time, you could lose your personhood. You could lose your beingness. You could lose your life. You could lose your so-called freedom. You could lose everything just for being a certain way at a certain time in a certain place. So what's the point? What is the foundation of, of the social contract? What is that contract? Why is the contract on one side, not on the other? Why we, or why I, as a member of society, have to do things for society? Society does nothing for me, other than society supposedly creates the mechanism for me to do things in it. But society doesn't do anything for me. Society doesn't do anything for you. Okay? If you're going to tell me that in certain societies, or the, the government takes care of you, feeds you and whatnot, why would the government feed me if I had the means to feed myself? If I had the capacity to feed myself, why would the government feed me? Why would I need the government to feed me? 
Okay, so those are the things that we have to take into account when we're talking about the concept of consent, because there's a certain point in which the consent never existed yet is assumed to have existed. And because of that assumption, you, or at least your humanity, your humanhood is defined as per that consent. Now, there's also the understanding that the individual was born to consent. And that takes us back to the notion of divinity, this, this notion of endowed, like the, the person is endowed a certain way, was designed to be a certain way. So in other words, the person that was born to obey, but that creates a dichotomy. At least it creates, it creates a paradox. How could the person consent to be in a social contract when the person is also naturally inclined to consent? If the person is likely to consent, why would he consent? What's, what's the need for consent? If the person is, is likely to consent, or if, if, if the person has the necessary insight to consent. In other words, if I were born to consent, why would I consent into a social contract? Wouldn't it be assumed that I'm, I have no need to consent at all? Because everything that is me is just me. So the consent, the term consent, implies a certain liberty or individuality whereby the individual willingly entered into this understanding. Both of them cannot be true. Either you were born to consent or you entered into a social contract. Both of them cannot be true. If I could consent, that doesn't mean that I already consented. Because that's, that's, that's the dichotomy I'm trying to point out here. Because on one hand, it is assumed that you were born to consent. But on the other hand, it is also said that you entered into a consent. You agreed to be this way. Okay. So if I was born, or if a person were born to consent, why would there be a need for consent in the first place? And that's the fundamental question. Fundamental question. Those who advocate for social contract have never really talked about. They've never really explained why, why, why is there a need for consent if the person is assumed to have consented just by being. It's because somehow there's, there's this understanding that this consent is fallacious. This consent is a fantasy. And to support that notion, they have to come up with this understanding that you agreed to it. You agreed to it. Of course, we could go into detail as to, well, at which point the consent started. Or perhaps, is it, is it when I was conceived? When I was born? When I was able to be myself, when I became conscious of myself? At which point the individual decided to be in a social contract? I did not decide to be born. Therefore, there can be no consent there. I did not decide to be born this way or that way. Therefore, there can be no consent there. I did not decide after I was born to exist in a particular circumstance or situation. Those were not my choice. These are realities which I became conscious of. 
I became conscious of myself in this milieu and that milieu. How and when or why would I be consented to be in a milieu in which I had no idea how I found myself in it? All I found is that I woke up one day, realized I am here. And here is a place where there are other people around me who also found themselves in that place. So at which point I consented to be in that place. Is it because I, once I realized I'm here and I decided to stay here, I didn't leave, that's when I consented? Is that what consent is? Then if that's the case, then what is the fundamental nature of the word of the consent? Why would I consent to be here or not consent to be here? If being consent to be here is a requirement for me to be here or not to be here. Let's consider the immigration as an, as an example. Suppose Joan was born in, um, in Haiti, an example. And as a citizen of Haiti, he woke up one day, found himself in this place of misery. He didn't invent the country, he didn't invent the place. He woke up one day, found himself in it. And he stays there. Did he consent to be in this country? Did he, did he consent to live in the state of misery? Well, let us assume that John, at some point in his life, decided to live Haiti. Let's say he decides to come to America. And as he enters America, they give him the conditions to be in America. And he so choosing, or so decided to come to America got a passport, got a visa or whatnot, and found himself in America. Did he consent to be in American society by being in America? Now, this is the, these are questions that are not easy to answer, at least not philosophically. If you're going to answer these questions legally or perhaps uh, from a different perspective, you could come up with all sorts of answers. But let's look at it from this perspective, though. If I was born in a country of poverty, or I was born in poverty, where life is hard, and trying to escape that poverty, trying to escape that reality, I found myself in, in the Dominican Republic, for instance, or I found myself in America. Did I consent to whatever laws, rules that are in America, or in the Dominican Republic by being there? Did I consent? If I decided to stay in Haiti and live in hell? Oh, no, 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 no. We, we, I could not have consented to be this way. Okay? I could not have consented to be this way. If the choice were mine, I would have decided to go to paradise, if paradise there is. I would have decided to go somewhere where there's no pain, no misery, no suffering, where life is good. Hmm? I would have decided to be somewhere where, there, where I can live my life genuinely if the choice were mine. The choice wasn't mine or the choice wasn't his or hers. The individual found himself in this reality. He can only navigate it. And if by navigating that reality he found himself in this place or in that place, we could not call this consent. And if the individual found himself in this location or that location, we could not call this consent. It is just a reality which the individual has to face. But the notion of consent assumes that the individual 
always make a choice. Of course, in subsequent podcasts, we're going to talk about the concept of choice, okay? But for now, let's, let, let, let's say that the concept of consent implies that the individual obligates himself to obey the law. He obligates himself to be a certain way. He obligates himself to exist a certain way. And he initially entered into this understanding when he found himself in this milieu, okay? Again, let's use the example of an immigrant. Let's say that my mother, my parents were illegal immigrants and came to America and gave birth to me here. Or let us say that my parents were illegal immigrants, came with me here when I was little. They were looking for a better life for me and I found myself in this place or in that place. Did I agree to be in that place? Did I consent to be in that place? That's what the concept of consent implies. That under any circumstance, in this situation, the individual agrees to be a certain way, a certain place at a certain time. And therefore, the individual is no longer his own. He doesn't, he no longer, he no longer owns himself in terms of the decisions that he is supposed to make or the decisions that are supposed to be made against him in one way or another. Okay? So the individual has lost his individuality by being in a social contract. The social contract implies that you are no longer your own. You are no longer yourself. You are the property of the society in which you supposedly entered into a contract. That is what the understanding of a social contract means. Now, is that the case? Is that really the case? That could be the subject of debate. And, and we are going to debate this as we move along in this series of podcasts.